Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome everyone. I'm absolutely delighted to have Brenda Rigney with us today. Now, Brenda is from Canada. She is a business and leadership coach, and she specifically helps business leaders and entrepreneurs to step into their brilliance, get unstuck, and to work and play aligned to their authentic selves. And I think this is something that we are all trying to do. Mm-hmm. And Brenda also has the Three Uniques podcast, which I highly recommend people have a listen to because it's uh, it's very different, has a nice approach to finding insights um, on people. So Brenda, a big welcome to you. Would you like Thank to just do a brief intro? Thanks, Rebecca. I really appreciate you asking me to be on your podcast and just connecting. I think it's, you know, wonderful, despite some of the things that have been going on in the world over the last year and a half, the fact that we can get connected online and then be on your podcast together and talking today. I'm just, I'm thrilled to be here. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Brenda. I think it is amazing. And I have built some wonderful relationships with people over the last 18 months, all digital. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I never expected that. So it's been, it's really awesome and um, great to be able to do it. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate the introduction too. So I do coach um, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, starting up in their business My background has always been working on strategy and so working with those entrepreneurs and that sort of startup uh, mindset, uh, watching them go through all the the hiccups, the successes, you know, sort of like the the yo-yo effect of life. And uh, and I love working with them at that stage and just, you know, coaching them through the process. Well, on that note, Brenda, what has been the biggest leadership challenge you've had to face in your career and how did you deal with that? Oh, biggest leadership challenge. Uh, I would say probably about four or five years ago, I decided to leave my corporate executive position. And I always knew that I was going to go into some entrepreneurial business myself. I had that in my goals, but I sort of had projected it to be, you know, a little bit later in life, like, you know, kind of more towards sort of retirement from my corporate life. I was going through a divorce at the time and I was probably in a situation with my job where I was... Uh, really being stretched, not necessarily from a leadership capability standpoint, but more just sort of time, uh, obligations to the job. And I had to wrestle with the fact of, you know, is this what life's all about? You know, kind of going through this sort of mid-stage in my life, in my career, uh, going through a pretty, I would say, traumatic event. I mean, it was a, it was an amicable divorce, but at the same time, you know, it's a lot emotionally to kind of go through. And we have children, and so it was just, you know, also having to navigate those disruptions in in their life as well, and trying to figure that out. And so I made the hard decision to quit my corporate career. Um, I wanted to take a year off, and so I took my my first gap year, uh, which I highly recommend to anybody. And I would do it 
like there's no regrets in doing it, but I would have done it earlier. Like I should have done it in my thirties or something. Um, and I never took a gap year, say between high school and university or after university before kind of getting my first real job. And so this was an amazing experience for me. I traveled to seven countries. I helped build a school in Ethiopia. So as much as it was a challenging sort of transition for me, moving out of my corporate life and then starting up the concept around my business, it was a huge growth opportunity for me, both personally and professionally. Well, I think you hit on two pretty challenging times in your life to make that transition and go through a divorce. So how did you cope with that? You mentioned mindset just now, but how did you, what techniques did you use to cope with what would be an emotionally um, stressful time or a difficult, challenging time for you? What uh, techniques would you share with our listeners to help them if they're facing stressful times in growing a business or even sort of personal stress? Yeah, I, it's a really good question. I actually had to rebuild my entire toolkit and that's why I took that year off. Like I almost needed to sort of cleanse everything that I was doing leading up to that state because I don't think I was really in the, in the right mindset. I mean, let's face it, I was going through divorce. So it's not actually the act of divorce. It's the kind of the years, the, the months leading up to the divorce that really play a toll on your mind as well as your body and everything else you're doing. So, you know, leading up to the divorce, my diet was probably like chips and red wine. <laughs> I don't like to necessarily like say that that's the right route to go. And I wasn't necessarily taking care of my body that way. I wasn't uh, really taking care of my mind. Like I was just sort of racing from one thing to the next and, and just getting in that sort of hustle mode. And so taking that year off, I had to rebuild the toolkit because there was no way that I could actually continue to function that way. And also figure out what I was going to do next. Like how do I launch a business and, and really get into that um, whole sphere. So uh, one of the things that I did was I, uh, I went through my 200 hour uh, meditation teacher training. So I wanted to get into meditation and I had dabbled in it like years prior, but I never sort of really felt like I was putting a full effort into it. So I thought, well, if I'm going to really embrace this and truly understand it and make this part of, you know, a daily regular habit for me, let's just do my teacher training and really get into it. And so that was an investment of time, but it was, it was hugely rewarding. I now take that tool that practice into my coaching practice. And I also work with my clients in that space as well. Uh, looked at nutrition. So I worked with a nutritionist, a holistic healer. Um, I wanted to really understand how to manage my breath and just the flow of how I was sort of processing my thoughts. And so meditation, breath work, I had a, a bunch of things to my toolkit. But the other thing too was adding in fun, like traveling to seven countries in a year uh, going to Africa for the first time, the continent of Africa, working in Ethiopia, um, hitting spots in, um, in Europe, and then also going to India. It just opened up possibilities to me, seeing people in different areas of the world, learning about different cultures, being immersed into different languages, scents, sites. Um, especially when you go, I find, to Africa or India, it's all about color and vibrancy and community like their communities are so interconnected so it just it inspired me so you know putting myself into like a completely different situation also is something that I you know incorporate into my toolkit. What did that do for you at the you know once you'd taken that time out and got some clarity about what you were going to do next how did you emerge from that what changes did you um, encompass as a result of that? I think for me, it was going back and really looking at my purpose, which is the cornerstone of the work that I do with my clients in my coaching practice. 
up until then, I was pretty clear on what my purpose was, but I would say, honestly, like the goals, how I was like making decisions, what I was saying yes to um, was not always in line with my vision. And so that was, or my purpose, right? And so that was one of the things that I really wanted to work on. And, you know, it was just like simply even looking at my schedule. What was I committing to? Who was I spending time with? Um, taking an inventory really of what my priorities were and shifting them to the right ones, the ones that were connected to my purpose. So I had to take a hard look. Uh, there were definitely some people over that sort of year, I use my gap year as that example, where I just had to make those transitions to transform my life. Uh, you know, there were definitely some people that pushed back, you know, when I was sort of setting up those new boundaries of how I was going to work and live and, you know, pushing back and saying, well, you haven't done this before. This isn't going to work with my schedule. I'm like, okay. You know, like, you know, it's like, how can I still, it's not that I wanted to alienate people, but I needed to sort of put my first self, uh, ahead of other people. Up until then, I was probably just sort of floating, drifting through my life, I'd okay. say. Even though I would say I was a committed, ambitious person in my executive career, I wasn't really doing things that were, you know, intentional for myself. And so that was the big thing. It's just, you know, really looking at my purpose and then aligning all, of, all the choices I was making to that. So I would imagine now, Brenda, that's a key focus with the leaders that you work with. Do you encourage them to take that kind of approach to how they lead their businesses? Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of times entrepreneurs or business leaders. So, you know, the two types of folks that I coach would be a business leader that, you know, is taking on something big in their organization, strategy, working with their teams. Maybe it's a new product or a new service for their customer. Uh, that they need to get a bunch of people aligned around, or it's that startup entrepreneur. So uh, yeah, the big thing for me is that those individuals usually come and approach me and, and tell me about, okay, well, this is, the, this is the struggle or this is the issue that I'm going through. Help me figure out how to do that. And I like to take it back a step, like a few steps back. Before we start getting into the how, I wanna know the why. Like, why are we doing this? Why is this important to you? How is this connected to your purpose, to your vision for your life? And a lot of times, and not to, you know, knock my clients that work with me, I don't want to, you know, diminish anyone that also potentially wants to work with me, is people aren't really clear about connecting their how to their why. Um, we, get, we just get so focused on kind of like the daily mishmash of routines in our life that sometimes it's important to kind of put that pause on and again, go back to why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? Why is this important to other people? How are we all connected? Um, yeah, and, and so that's that's the beginning part of the work is that before we get into the how, there will always be time for that. And actually it will come faster. Like, like it'll become so much clearer all the steps that you need to do once you get your purpose. Defined. I agree with that. I think it's such a great question to ask ourselves on a frequent basis. Why is this important to me? And is this important to me? And if it's not, and we have to make changes accordingly. What, what do you think, Brenda, are the key traits of uh, great leadership? So you, you work with leaders and mm -hmm. you've been in a corporate role. So you've been a leader and you've worked with other leaders in that capacity. What do you think makes a great leader? Uh, I think a great leader, first and foremost, sees a future. And they can easily articulate or define what that future looks like. And then it's enrolling people into that future. And so part of that skill set is communication. Um, and then I think thirdly, it would be decision-making. 
Like people count on leaders to make decisions. And whether you're a flat structure or a hierarchical structure, traditional, innovative, like whatever your sort of like business model is, people look to leaders to make decisions and they want the communication and they want the vision of what that future is gonna look like. And then at least it gives people choices. So I think like a good leader will establish that in their organization. And then as an employee or a team member supporting that leader or working with that leader, it's like, now I know what I can choose to do or maybe even choose not to do. Like if I know this is the future that you want for the organization and it doesn't connect to my purpose and my why, then I can opt out and that's okay, right? Versus staying, not feeling comfortable, uh, feeling disgruntled or disengaged. But I often think that the reason why maybe like disengagement or um, is so high across all organizations in the world is that we're not clear on what that future is looking like. So people are there, but they're not able to choose to enroll in that future or to opt out. We, we had um, Tom Peters on our podcast recently, and I'm not sure if you'll, you'll know of him, but he was saying exactly that. There is such a big disconnect yeah. and motivation with, I can't remember the figure, I think it was something like 70% of the workforce globally yes. that don't feel connected to the, the business that they're working in. And that is such a shame when there is so much potential there if that is being captured and just think how much further businesses would go if they were really able to tap into that. But just one thing you mentioned there, Brenda, which I'd really like to just kind of ask a little bit more about, your view of leadership is, you know, that the leaders making the decisions and setting the vision, but what's your view on the leadership and the decision-making process being more collaborative and engaging other people in the organization, not just being, the leadership team that make those decisions. What's your view on that? Yeah, okay, so that's that's actually a good sort of um, call out there. Uh, so first of all, I don't necessarily encourage like a hierarchical top-down decision-making model. But what I mean by leaders make decisions, first of all, I believe that everybody has the capability to be a leader. So leadership isn't relegated to rank, title, hierarchy. Uh, and so when you're asking me about like, what are the qualities of a great leader, I would say somebody that can create a vision, you know, and then enroll other people into that vision through their communication, through their decision-making. Do they have the capability to say yes to the right things and no to the things that don't align to the vision? And so everyone in the organization has that ability. What I think you're talking about as far as decision-making and like empowerment and collaboration, that I think goes back to the values of the organization, right? So whether or not you are the top leader in the organization, the CEO, the owner that's setting that pace, again, I think like you're there to work with the team, ensure that that vision is happening. Uh, and yeah, and that the values of the organization inspire whatever output, you know, or outcome you want in, in the company. So if it's like, we wanna have a collaborative environment, great, then our value statement should talk to that. And then people should be leading that. But I think first and foremost, like, so that's my clarification is that I believe that everybody can be a leader. And some people may disagree with me when they hear this podcast and, and that's fine, that's their choice. Um, but I believe that anyone can be a leader. So whether or not you're you know, the janitor in the school or the principal in the school, everybody you know, can be a part of making sure that, that vision happens. I agree with that completely as well I think it's whether people choose to step into being a leader but we all can make that choice 
and yeah. so it's available to everybody to, yeah. to step up in some way shape or form Absolutely. and it's whether they choose to whether they have the mindset whether they want to whatever it's not for everybody um, mm -hmm. I guess but you touched on values and I think this is a hugely important aspect of leadership in terms of creating um, the values and the culture of the business mm -hmm. what's been your experience in that area um, Brenda where maybe you've experienced good and not so good cultures and the impact that that might have had on on you or how you've seen that impact with the companies that you you work with yeah i think um my sort of stance on values is one keep them short uh, i've been in organizations where you know they're like 10 values and you need to have like something with you to remember what they are uh, because again, it's like leaders make decisions. And so you need to have those filters to making the right decisions. But if you have to look at a legend, a key, like some, you know, whole Excel document to figure out how to do that, um, you know, we're not going to make decisions effectively or sometimes fast enough. Right. And, and, and I think that's really key in the, in the realm of like creativity and, and innovation. So I think shorter is better. Um, like a shorter list of values is better. Uh, I believe in the concept around appreciative inquiry. So I don't know if you're familiar with that model. It came out of, um, I believe, Case Western in the United States um, back in the 70s. But it's all about dreaming, like sort of understanding what the destiny, again, sort of vision planning. But the whole concept behind uh, and designing, but it's a collaborative process, right? So I think when organizations are building their values, they should do it as collaboratively as possible. Um, so even for myself, I'm a sole proprietor in my, in my company. But when I came up with the values for my company, I, you could just say, well, I could just do them myself. I could just sit there in front of a whiteboard and write my values and be like, that's it. But I didn't. I talked to some past clients that I had worked with before I decided, you know, I was going to be a sole proprietor. I talked to some of my past employees that I had worked with in other organizations that knew me really well. Um, I talked to colleagues, family, friends, and I got their input into building out my values. You know, like who am I? What do I stand for? And and I got their sort of lexicon of words, and then from there I distilled it down into my value statements for my organization. So I think whether you're not you're an organization of one or five thousand, you can do it in collaboration with other people. That's still, I think, a foreign concept. I think to your earlier point, I think there's a lot of executives that go off to retreat. They do some type of you know rock wall climbing exercise, and they come back and say, "Here's our new values. Go," and that may have been a monumental experience for those executives over the last three or four days and they did some bonding and they communicated really effectively but for the other 5,000 employees they're feeling a disconnect they don't know what that again vision or future looks like and they don't know how they're connected to it and they're not given necessarily a choice to opt in or opt out it's again a sort of command control model so i think values are really important they should be short they should be something that's used in the decision making process and they should be done together with all constituents like all stakeholders and it should be a discussion shouldn't it it should be a lively ongoing discussion and what what's your view brenda on linking the the values and the culture to behaviors Oh, like a, like a competency or a behavior? Yeah. We can, mm. Yeah. I mean, we can go further into that. I, again, I just say, keep it simple. Like in my past lives, like, you know, working in uh, talent development or HR, you know, we've come up with like 360 competency models for managers, directors, executives. It's just like, again, keep it simple. We want to make, I think, leadership accessible to people. I think we make leadership seem so complex 
but then people bulk away from it because it's like, well, I don't know if I can be these 16 things, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five. Uh, and that's okay. Like I'm, I'm more inclined to follow um, the, the, the work process of say Marcus Buckingham and strength finders. Like what are your strengths and go to those things. And if you're really strong in these four or five areas, do those really well as a leader, and, but then be reflective on your team, be reflective on your business. Who do you need to have on your team that's complementary to your strengths, that adds a different perspective to your strengths, right? So I, I don't think it's necessarily, it needs to be a one size fits all. And that's where I sometimes go back to those old style competency models where it's like, we're looking for leaders that only do these 16 things versus we know, and, and this goes back to, I guess, my podcast around three uniques, it's like, what makes you unique? What are your strengths? What are your passions? How does that work in our organization? And, and how do we leverage you in amongst all the other employees that we have with their strengths and their unique capabilities? I really love that. I think it is about playing to strengths, you know, and being the best you can be with the strengths that you've been gifted with and that you've developed. Uh, I think that is that is crucial and important and develops the success of the business. You work with entrepreneurs and people who are maybe setting up their businesses. And what advice, what three pieces of advice would you give to people setting, stepping into perhaps a more significant leadership role where they are setting up their business, where they are leading a team? Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what three pieces um, of advice would you give them, Brenda? Um, first I would say is again, get connected to your purpose, like really do that introspective reflection time, hire a coach to maybe help facilitate that with you. Um, so that you're really clear on what your purpose is, not just as like, you know, a leader in your job or that project or that business that you need to come up with, but if this is your whole life, you know, if you're 33 years old, you're going to be on the planet for like another 70 years, most likely. Um, depending on how you treat yourself and treat others, right? That's a huge runway to live out your purpose. So be mm -hmm. clear on what that purpose is. It's not just about the job or the project or what you need to get done by January. It's far reaching than that. And so be, and, you know, so spend some time really reflecting on that. Uh, the second thing is I think work on your inner leader. It's not always about the spreadsheets and the PowerPoint decks and the, the team meetings. It's about you as an inner leader. Uh, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first before you assist others, right? We hear that when we get on a plane. It's good advice, but we don't necessarily take that out into the rest of our life. So learn about meditation, learn about nutrition. If you're up to big things in your life, it's going to naturally, you know, the vibration, the energy of that is going to necessarily like, you know, play out on your mind and your body. And if you're not keeping that, in, you know, inner leader strong and healthy, and connected to what's important that's when you start getting into like we hear about burnout and imposter syndrome and stresses and one in three people are gonna you know experience some type of mental health uh issue well no doubt because we're pushing ourselves way beyond um what our body's intended to do what our mind has the capacity to take on so put in that routine and really invest in that inner leader and then i think the third thing always is um so I'd say purpose, inner leader. Yeah, it's the tools. I mean, it's it's mentorship, it's investing in yourself. So I, I think like maybe you'll notice that I haven't once said, oh, you need to do this for your team. <laughs> I think, you know, like that will come, right? Like be clear about who you are as an individual. I think so often, and I go back to like my first days as a manager, um, I was running a, a Gap store 
in Western Canada. I was 21 years old at a university and I was so insecure about who I was. And, you know, I was really good about managing people's attendance and whether or not they clocked in or clocked out. I was like really good operations manager, but I wasn't yet a leader. And it wasn't until I started looking at myself and working on myself that I could actually appreciate other people that I was with. That's um, I'm very interesting. You make the different differentiation between at that point you were a manager and now you're a leader. What do you think are the those significant differences? Uh, well, I can go back to like an old book that I read, like first like days of like sort of management 101 for me, John Cotter from MIT. He distinguished the difference between manager and leader. And so, you know, I'd say to anybody, like go back and, you know, look at some of his earlier works on that. Um, and, and it was really good. It was a good distinction model for me. So I sort of look at a manager, like we need both in organizations. And so managers are people that I think are there to ensure that the work is getting done. We're optimizing efficiency flows, productivity, but it, you know, it's, it's, it was put in place. Let's go back to like, I don't know, industrial revolution time. We're all working in factories and, you know, we got to produce our widgets. So there's not really a lot of communication, understanding, care. It's more like means to an end. We need to get from A to B. We need to do it the most efficient way possible. And it's needed in organizations, especially when we're like, when I started off, I'm working in a gap store. I've got 200 people on a sales floor, high volume, you know, day after Christmas, boxing day, crazy sales. Like you need to have management. You need to have order and process. It's, it's needed. And then leadership, this is where I go back to my earlier definition. I think anyone can be a leader, right? So it's just being able to step into that communication, decision-making, vision, values, um, connection to oneself as well as others. It's a lot more reflective, you know, stepping back 30,000 foot level before jumping into the 300 foot level. Um, I agree with those perspectives and uh, we hear a lot of that from, from our guests on the podcast and there, there is a distinction between the two, but, but absolutely right. I mean, both, we need both in an organization. So as we come to a close, Brenda, and appreciate everything you've shared with us, we've got two questions just to, to end with. And the first one is, what would, what would you say or what advice would you give to your younger self about leadership? Oh, well, I kind of shared that a little bit earlier about like being on this on the sales floor in my early days of management is like, take care of yourself. Like I used to work crazy hours, like 14 hour days, living off of diet coke and vending machines like <laughs> just take care of yourself um you know and i think i you know i still see that in some workplaces right like different type of workplaces whether it's offices folks that come to me for coaching like they're burnt out and i mean it was different when i was sort of starting off but i think uh yeah there were moments where i would burn out and who would who would suffer from that well myself my health but also the people that i cared about yeah. And I mean, that's, that's really like what you've got, right? Like, so the people that love you, care about you and have your back, like, how are you ensuring that you're nurturing those relationships? Like you got to take care of yourself. And so that was like advice for me in the early days would be sleep, eat better, maybe some leafy greens instead of a Diet Coke. I think we're beginning to appreciate now, aren't we, how important sleep is in terms of renewing, renewing our bodies 
and you know giving our brain that time to kind of I can't I don't know what the right word would be but to allow the brain to is it develop it's not develop I know that's not the right word but anyway no it's true though I think like some of the research that's coming out of neuroscience um based wellness programs is that the brain actually grows and develops and almost like reboots itself while we're sleeping so if we don't sleep it actually um you know, it's just like when you download systems, or I remember like, again, working in, in retail stores, we have to download our sales at the end of the night type of thing. It's that if you don't do that, uh, again, when we think about all those sort of like limiting beliefs that we have, like doubt, judgment, worry, they just get exacerbated because our mm-hmm. brain hasn't rested from the day before. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's actually proof to show that people that are not putting in the sleep, earlier cases of Alzheimer's dementia are starting to appear. So I think it's, there's actually an imperative to do that you're right it is absolutely essential that that we we do take that rest that's necessary and then to wrap up Brenda we like to give our guests who have kindly given their time like you have to be on our podcast and share your experience and knowledge is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners maybe some exciting developments that you've got or just something that you would like to end um end with oh thanks I really appreciate that um well, as you mentioned earlier, I have a podcast called Three Uniques. So I started it in July of 2020. So it's been like my sort of like first anniversary month uh, or first, yeah, first anniversary month this year. And uh, it's exciting because I get to interview all these different um, types of folks, it, chefs, accountants, like whomever, right? It's like all, all sides of the spectrum. Uh, and I've had people from around the world come onto my podcast. So that's really exciting. Uh, so I would ask like people to listen uh, to the podcast and, and join up and understand that Three Uniques is all about identifying what makes you unique through your skills, your abilities, your talents, through your purpose, your passions, your values, and then also um, your experiences, past, present, and soon to be future. And kind of that sweet spot in the middle of all of that is your Three Uniques. And yeah, so jump on, listen to a podcast. And if you're also interested in being on a podcast, reach out to me. Well, thank you, Brenda. I have listened to it, as I said earlier, and it's definitely worth listening to and subscribing to. So thank you very much for sharing everything that you shared with us today. Really appreciate your time and being open and, you know, taking, responding and giving your answers and making it a very enjoyable experience. So thank you very much. Thanks, Rebecca, for having me. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear how this podcast has impacted your leadership. And if any of these concepts resonate with you and you'd like to find out more about leadership and business growth, go to the RGM website, rjen.co.uk.